Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroe, my co-host, who's in the room with me, Steve Walsh. Hello. We're in the west of Ireland, Steve, the uh, Wild Atlantic Way, as you keep... <laughs> as you insist on calling it. Well, me and the uh, National Tourist Board. Once once your area is branded, you've got to lean into it. South London Hardcore, isn't it? Like, this is the mm. whole thing, in it? We're talking about specific geographical locations. Yeah, Castle Bar. We're not going to talk about Castle Bar, are we? Which no. is where you... Listeners will remember you moving out here. That's right. They? Have you found yourself as interested in local history out here? Yeah, I've had a few groups of friends come over to visit, and uh, I think all of them have been bored to tears <laughs> about the Castlebar races, isn't it? What year was yeah. Castlebar races, Jack? 1798. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've been paying attention. Easter <laughs> Uprising, 1916. <laughs> Yeah, we went to the uh, Jackie Clark collection, didn't we? If anyone's in the West of Ireland, yeah, we'd tell them where to go. Um, Ballinar, the Jackie Clark collection. Mm, down Patrick Head to go and see a sea stack, guys. <laughs> so we did turn up a little bit of local uh, history that you were not familiar with, right? Uh, what was that? I'll remind you. Yeah, remind me. I've forgotten it again. We were looking at um, this new play, um, A Song at the West End. Um, it's not called We Need a Bigger We Need a Bigger Boat, is it? The, the shark, shark is, is broken. broken. <laughs> about the making of Jaws. For various reasons we were talking about it and reading about it. And uh Robert Shaw's son is in it, Robert Shaw, who famously played Quint, Quint in Jaws. And he died like like round here. Like he was from is it what's the area called? Uh Termacady is where he was from and Yeah, he had a died. Yeah, I don't think it's from there, was he? Oh, sorry. Yeah, his family moved. <laughs> but yeah, he'd like li- moved there or whatever, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was living in Tormacady. Yeah, I had a heart attack on the way. I think it was a heart attack, was it? On the way to like through Castle towards Castle Bar, or something. right? Um, and then ended up in the hospital at Mayor General, right? And then, so we um, there's a little stone with an inscription somewhere, isn't there? In um. It's not Tukum Carey, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> Tim, even. Steve, what's your name? Uh, Termacady, which I've been assured by aunt, my, my aunt means the place of a thousand turns. So, not a good place to have a medical emergency, I'd imagine. But you've not started any podcasts in West London. I don't listen to all your podcasts, so. But West London, West of Ireland. <laughs> uh, up to 300 on. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, no localised podcasting, unfortunately. What would you have called it? I don't know, because obviously you don't want to lean into the... Uh... Rock the Castle Bar. <laughs> Something like that. The T-Shock don't like it. <laughs> yeah. We've got plenty of local news to discuss today, Steve. Catch you up on what you've missed since you've been away from South London. <laughs> so a couple of places we could start, Steve. Would you rather talk about exciting crimes or animal hijinks? I mean, I think you probably know where this is going to go, but it is going to be animal hijinks for me. So, did you see this story? It's quite a recent one because some of these, uh, some of these go back many years. <laughs> <laughs> Injuries after King's Troop horses run amok in Charlton Park. Good lord! Did you follow that? No, I mean that doesn't sound like hijinks. That sounds like uh, some sort of public disorder. Yeah, it was a bit. It's a bit of both. Right. I thought it was going to be like about a duck getting on the train, isn't it? or like queuing up for a cash point. You know, the classics that we've enjoyed previously. But you've gone with um, basically a reenactment of the Peterloo Massacre. A bit like that. Right. I've got some positive animal news Good. later. Good. Some more positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is from the Charlton Champion in uh, January 2021. They love it, don't they? Which is a Charlton blog. So the main photo in the blog 
is an air ambulance parked outside Charlton House. Remember when we went there? Yeah, for the um, what festival was it? The Horn Fair. Horn Fair, Charlton Horn Fair. And you'll remember the route we walked, Steve, will you? I do, yeah. Yeah, we walked from Surrey Keys, yeah. or Surrey Docks, whatever you want to call it, to uh, Charlton Horn Fair, Horn Fair Park, Charlton yeah, Park, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. different names up there. So that's so it's quite a dramatic photo that opens yeah, it. Yeah. So the King's Troop, Royal Horse Artillery, which is based at the Woolwich Barracks, they perform uh, ceremonial duties at state occasions. And they basically the horses just kind of went haywire. It's interesting because you'd imagine there'd be some sort of disturbance ahead of that, like some sort of exp- a car backfiring. Well, this is it. Ah. They were like walking along the street, man. I feel like I should have got more details now. That's <laughs> and like someone hon- honked a horn. Right. Like, can you just hurry up with these bloody horses? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Worst hold, thing you can Hold do. your horses, they probably said. <laughs> now I realise where it comes from. It's not there. Uh, and then these horses just all just started going haywire. I suppose if one panics, the others panic. But then, you know, I'm sure, you know, I mean, as I say, part of this, most of this is going to be drilling and training the horses not to respond to. So it was a good training opportunity, miss. Yeah, it's like a fire drill, wasn't it? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was just to drill guys get back yeah. inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone's quoted as saying uh, there were at least a dozen horses and some of them were slipping and sliding on the tarmac. They run in front of my car and across the pavement where they jumped a small wall, then the boundary fence at the front of Charlton House. I saw one rider fall to the pavement, curled into a ball to protect herself from the horses that were still hurtling past her. So, you know, it's good advice for anyone else who's in a similar situation. Curl into a ball. I suppose you make it a smaller <laughs> target. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say probably get out of the way. It's just interesting, having been there, I can sort of visualise that space. I mean, obviously, when we went there, there was a, a proper fair going on, wasn't there? So it would have been packed full of people. But just like... It's not a massive field. So if horses were bolting mm. through it. Well, one horse, Steve. Here's a photo from mylondon.news, which is not a great website. <laughs> Sounds great. They uh, Here's a photo of a horse who's heading towards a block of flats. Right, right. Just trotting down the uh, down some kind of pedestrian I mean, path. that could be a still from any Irish film from the 90s, couldn't it? I'm allowed to say it. And if you have a look, Steve, at the um, mylondon.news comment section, what do you think people are saying? They're like uh, brilliant. No, uh, they're probably. Uh, I'm trying to think how they can blame this on like the loony left or the woke mafia, but they can't, can they? They went after the guy who honked the horn. Oh, yeah. As if all this chaos was. But I mean, we don't really know the, the details. Someone could have lent, well, on, lent on it or something. But also, there's a thing where, as I say, the point of doing these training exercises is. I, you know, you, you'd imagine the military are kind of hoping that someone presses a horn at some point so the horses can sort of like turn their head suddenly and then immediately recenter themselves and stay calm. You say that, Steve, but in February 2017, a soldier broke her neck trying to stop a gun carriage and runaway horses at Charlton Park. Right. But it sort of calls into question what is the point of all this? Well, this is it, ceremonial. It's that thing of like, you know, should you be using horses for ceremonial occasions? Essentially, should you be like taking uh, not wild animals, but animals, and using them to use them as decorative accoutrements to mm. you know? Well, the Queen's coming past. Quick, let's line some horses up and make them stand still, even though that's not in their nature. Exactly. It's like when uh, horses, you know, that horse bolted at the protest, right? And it's like you know, people having a go at protests and stuff. It's like they, they didn't bring the horses, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, keen to give credit where it's due, Steve. The story was written by Daryl Chamberlain, and the photos were by Steve Hunnisett. He's a Dulwich fan. That's oh, right, I was going to say, name rings well. He does a walking tour called The Blitz Walker. Oh. Takes you around Blitz London and stuff. Oh, you got to say, credit where credit's due. The fellow who uh, beat the horn was... <laughs> <laughs> His addresses. Mr. Jay McEnroy. Let's guess him. Do you want to bring someone up, Steve? So I thought for my opening salvo of local news, I'll go with the, the dullest uh, story I've got. But it's still, it's a good news story, which are all too rare, aren't they? Housing chiefs in Lewisham have unveiled plans to repurchase properties sold off under the right to buy scheme in a bid to stave off the increasingly acute housing crisis. Is they going to... I thought we said no housing news. <laughs> no no uh, housing bad news. But like, it's good news, isn't it? Like, mm. uh, you know, hopefully... I mean, you know, Lewisham is not going to be uh, the wealthiest council out there, but hopefully, you know, mm. uh, it's a, a sign of things... Heading in uh, the right direction. Up to 100 properties will be brought back into public ownership under the Right to Buyback programme with the aim of housing uh, the first local families by March next year. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's certainly better than selling off 100 properties, isn't it? Like, that's the, I guess the way you have to look at it, it has to be sort of like incremental. As you say, it does feel sort of very um, like. Not what's the least we can do, but this is going to be a drop in the ocean. But, you know. Do you miss Lewisham, Steve? <laughs> well, Did put, you ever go there much? I've put my uh, name down on the housing list to uh, try I wouldn't even have you at the <laughs> No, of course not. Um, never really a frequent visitor to uh, Lewisham, well, to be honest. This very podcast started in the borough of Lewisham, didn't it? It did, it did. All right, Steve, so what do you think are the... Tell me your favourite crimes. Not to do. It's not a... <laughs> We're not a confession. Not a confessional. <laughs> yeah. What's this, the jinx? <laughs> <laughs> what, um... Are you, you know, you hear about a crime in the newspaper, you go, yes. Oh, right. Um, uh, I'd have to put sort of forgery up quite high. Because it's quite creative, yeah, isn't it? Too, it's something yeah. you can appreciate the craft of rather so, than... So I've got one and of, there's no violence, is there? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of those guys probably get a bit... Oh they? yeah, like if you go up to and go, this is a forgery. They'll, they'll be like, yeah. "Ouch!" <laughs> I'll break your neck, you little scrope. So this sort of falls in the forgery category. Gotcha. Three jailed after largest counterfeit cash seizure in UK. Yeah, I mean this is very much within the remit of what I was thinking of. Like counterfeit cash mm. is uh, wonderful. I love a bit of counterfeit oh, cash. Beautiful. I'd love to have some. I'd rather rather have that mineral thing. <laughs> so that's from January 2021 as well. A raid of an industrial unit in Beckenham. Resulted in the largest seizure of counterfeit banknotes in UK history. How much do you reckon? I reckon you're going to well overestimate it. Well, I suppose it's a. They're going to be. There's going to be a limit in terms of how much they mm. can produce, just in terms of the industrial limits mm. of any printing process. Uh, I'm going to say ten million pounds. Five and a quarter. Okay, so I went double. <laughs> wonder, but that was me trying to sort of rein it in as well. I wonder if it's. Uh, Harder, oh, it must be much harder now to make fake notes on those plastic. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, what if it's harder to make fake notes and just like get other ones? Um, than to work for them, yeah. Um, yeah, the plastic, I mean, that was a big thing with the plastic, wasn't it? The idea of like, uh, Staving off, and you uh, can ordinary. add other uh, anti forgery uh, security elements, can't you? As yes, far as I yeah. So, two years prior to this, January 2019, the Bank of England discovered a counterfeit 20 pound note, right. 
Uh, which, just the one? Which appeared to have been produced using the type of specialist printing equipment that would normally be associated with a company that produces large volumes of magazines or leaflets. And uh, they did their investigation, Steve. And I thought it was quite funny that two of the three guys, one's called Johnny Evans <laughs> and one's called Phil Brown. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've changed a bit. It's Philip, in it? And, yeah, yeah. You know, John Evans. But uh, they've got 15 years between them. Both got footballers, and I should add that, because people that didn't get it, they both got names of footballers slash managers. That, that's the other thing that bothers me about this sort of crime, where they go, they come down like a ton of bricks, isn't it? Because I suppose you've got to discourage it, but it's that thing of, like, uh, there's no way you should be doing 15 years for a crime that involves no direct violence. Yeah, and, but, I mean, uh, don't you divide all sentencing by two anyway? Right, right. I suppose there's also um, an element where you go, for me, like, with counterfeiting and forgery... That's basically like one step up from a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is a laugh, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's also a crime, though. Yeah, but not really. It's not really a crime, is it? It's not a crime like criminals do. It's a crime like, you know... Gentlemen the, do. The banter, cr- yeah. <laughs> the banter crowds like us, like Phil Brown and Johnny Evans do, isn't it? So when Phil Brown was arrested, this is what the quote is, man, whether it's true or not. Maybe I'm a bit gullible. He said, it was just banter. <laughs> he said... <laughs> You've caught me red-handed. Imagine his lawyers like, "What did you say that for?" <laughs> Those are the four words. No, but if he'd like just right. been handling the red uh, ink or dye, then he's yeah. like, "Listen, I, don't, I didn't want to say this, but you have literally caught me red-handed. Not figuratively, literally." So a subsequent search of his home led to the discovery of a list of names with numbers next to them that added up to five point two five million. Right. The yeah, the exact value of the counterfeit notes. I suppose uh, if there's a lesson to be learnt here, it's don't make a, a list of your criminal conspirators with cash values next to their name, and then leave it like yeah. So it's like you know you know about the Brinks map guys. I mean, obviously you know. I know of, but I don't. I don't the guy ended up. They they evaded. They've robbed all that gold. It was gold, right? From gold, Heathrow, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they evaded Boom. capture for years. Right. And right, then the right. guy murdered someone in a road rage incident and got caught from there. Right. If I remember he, that correctly. Did he? He used a gold bar to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, yeah. Oh. I mean, over. He's like, you caught me red-handed. <laughs> so when they raided his house, I, think, I don't know if they got there that it was the guy, but there was a copy of the Guinness Book of Records in his house, and he'd circled the <laughs> record, uh, <laughs> record gold robbery. I think he was already caught by that point. To be fair, but you imagine this sort of thing where they sort of pick up the copy of the Guinness Book of Records and it just sort of falls over, yeah, yeah, like yeah, where yeah. The, the spine's broken to that page. If that was in the script, you'd cut it, wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> there's no way that would happen so there's a couple of other details here that I wasn't really clear from the, from the news shopper whether these this was related I assume so or it was just like you know sometimes they go oh similar stuff happened right, before. Right, right. like with other the broken neck right 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 it says in October 2019 a dog walker found five million pound in fake banknotes dumped in Hawk Robin Road Belvedere right and a further £200,000 was found scattered along the railway line between Farningham and Longfield, which is round that way, in January 2020. I mean, because the, the fact that these are like a matter of public record, I guess they were reported. But like, you just keep the £2 million, isn't it? And don't you don't sort of go out and buy a sports car. But like, mm. just take take out 20 quid a day. It's your per diem, isn't it? Like, just take out 20 quid a day. Like, they're not going to spot a pattern... Are they? I don't know. Have you seen dramas? Spend it. <laughs> but no, I've cracked it, Jack. You spend it in a different place each day. Yeah, have you ever seen a film noir? 
<laughs> so it's the final final little detail is that the senior officer in the National Crime Agency's counterfeit currency unit is called Neil Harris. Another footballer's name and that's all like South London legend. Harris, you've got to get off the case. You're too close. Geographically, you're too close to the case. Okay, so I uncovered in my investigation, there's a new round of Southwark Blue Plaque nominees. I don't know if you saw this. No, I didn't see this, no. So, um, obviously, plaques are an item close to our heart. Mm. We've produced our own. Close to our teeth. <laughs> We've produced our own historically. So I do take an interest. Yeah. Um, some some interesting uh, nominees. It does feel like, uh, not that they're scraping the barrel, but they're getting a bit more tenuous in terms of the, the links. Mm. Uh, my favourite nominee this time round is for the uh, espionage novelist Len Dayton. Oh, wow. Who's not from South London. No. Oh, right. What did he do? Uh, but he, he was living in South London when he wrote a book called Bomber. It's not even it, as far as not his famous one. He's just like another book he wrote. But the thing, the sort of historical angle they've chosen to go with was the fact that Bomber is thought to have been the first novel written on a word processor. Uh, I'm sorry, but you can't plaque up thought to have been. (laughs) But also, (laughs) even if it's like confirmed to have been the first novel, like written on a word processor... It's is also, it's, the... it's not going to, there's no, obviously there's no way to verify it. The the interesting thing that did uh, appeal to me was the fact that uh, he was living in Merrick Square near Great Dover Street at the time he wrote the novel. Um, an IBM technician who worked on his typewriters had suggested that he could uh, use the enormous magnetic tape selectric typewriter machine to write the book. Mm. And then Dayton's like, I'm intrigued, tell me more. Um and so they agree to install this word processor in uh, his house. Uh, and they had to remove a window uh, so that the £200 machine could be lifted wow. in. So it was a, there was definitely you know, some sort of exceptional yeah, effort sure. put into it? it. This is like 1968. Oh, right. So okay. it is. You know, maybe it is the first it, one. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's just it's you just that old thing sure, where, where you're sort of like, you know, always read the plaque. We'd mm. be going over to him going, so what happens? Oh, Len Dayton, is he from? No, he's not. No. So what was Is the book set in? No, it's not. No. So what was it? It was, it was produ- oh, the first to be produced, thought to be the first produced. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, not it's, enough, is it? it's a weird uh, thing. But, um, I mean, I, I'm sort of tempted to vote for it just because it's such a ridiculous uh, blue plaque to put up, isn't mm. it? <laughs> what are the other options, Steve? Uh, there was uh, there was a, uh, a locally based artist who'd done like an arts scheme for children in the area for decades. I mean, none, there was none that sort of leapt out where you're like, this is... I mean, I'm sure, you know, she's a very deserving candidate in the sense of like, you know, local... Community mm. efforts and stuff, but so I just got excited by Len Dayton. I was like, "How did we miss that Len Dayton is?" Uh, uh, and you're like, "Oh, he's not. He just lived in the in the mm. borough for, you know, a few years and happened." Well, but also, I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of charmed by the idea of him uh, getting IBM to install a 200 pound word processor yeah. by removing a window from his house. Yeah, that's some scenes, that's isn't good. it? Yeah, exactly. You see yeah. what Len's having put in. <laughs> You can't use pencil and paper like us. I'll give you the uh, other exciting crime here, Steve. Go on in. Police uncover secret forty million pound cannabis tunnel under Old Deptford Theatre. It's 
from the New Shopper 2019. Right. Remember, it's ages ago, <laughs> so the Broadway theatre was the Broadway theatre was demolished in 1963, but the basement still exists. So they built flats in the 60s, and there's still this basement. But some, uh, what's the word? Um, inventive uh, drug dealers built this tunnel and then built a cannabis farm underneath in this, you know, in this like 50-year abandoned basement. So, it's quite exciting. Tunnel. Tunnel's an exciting word. Well, also, you imagine they'd have to have set up uh, quite an elaborate set of lamps to Mm. uh, encourage the growth and then how they tap into the electric supply. There's a lot going on, isn't there? It's genuinely creative. Because, yeah, you need a lot of lights for cameras, Yeah, I mean, right? as far as I understand. Yeah, I was led to believe. Yeah. <laughs> <Officer>. <laughs> because, yeah, we sound like uh, we're very guilty and we're trying to talk about it, whereas, in fact, we're just both uh, incredibly naive and unaware of the situation. <laughs> but we've seen films, haven't it? So the Daily Mail... Right, don't worry. There's a reason. Right. There's a reason I'm bringing it up. The Daily Mail... Fair re- and balanced reporting, I imagine. The Daily Mail reported the cannabis farm is estimated to have been making £4 million a year, with the farm likely to have been operating around a decade. So you see that £40 million headline and it's just like someone at the Daily Mail or maybe the police, right. two quite similar organisations, <laughs> in a way. Overlapping interests. I've just gone, oh, looks like it's been about 10 years. What do you reckon that is? <laughs> £4 million? Pounds. Imagine like the guys have been like done for it. They're like, £40 million? Pounds. I've seen eight grand off of this. You know, just went on bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> what about our operating costs? No one's thinking about that. And Steve, just to bring in another animal one before we move on to yours. <laughs> Um, all I've got is a headline because I got bored even doing it <laughs> but it's a chance for people to Google isn't it? absolutely did you see this Horniman discovers Horniman Museum discovered new species of shrimp I did see mm. this uh, oh tell I, us about it then. I rejected it as not interesting enough but I'm glad to see no um, as far as I understand they were donated uh, some sort of rock or something uh, and put it into the tank and then mm. this new species of shrimp sort of emerged yeah but I've only been there like a decade. So. Right, As I say, right, I'm right. bored reading it. But yeah. I want people to. I'm just glad it's out there. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's also just the thing of like, I don't know about you, but for me, anytime there's a headline that mentions the Horn Museum, I'm like, well, let's have a look. And then I looked mm. and I was like, oh, it's a new. I mean, and I mean, I'm sure for, you know, the large and healthy marine biologist uh, elements of our listenership. Yeah, they'd be buzzing about it. Exactly. Yeah. They're all over it. Safe to say they already know. <laughs> I've got one more, and it's also uh, plaque-related, mm. but in a different way. And in a way that also uh, taps into uh, the history of the show. Because obviously, famously, famously, when I uh, left London, you ordered and arranged and installed a plaque on a bench. Well, well, Steve. That, that plaque we can't publicly. Oh, yeah. There's a plaque on the bench with your name on it in Russian Park. Yeah, but we're how not it quite got there. Sure, yeah, oh, about the mechanics. The nothing is official. I think it might have been uh, entrepreneurial drug dealers <laughs> <laughs> tunneling under Russian. They were like, we got forty million quid to spend here. <laughs> Probably best to uh, reinvest it in a, a tribute to a local podcaster. Um, but and I don't know uh, if it has directly inspired this new spate of. Uh, bench plaques but there's been uh, a recent rash of bench plaques at Goose Green which obviously you know is a place we're both aware of mm. not the one in the Falklands isn't it? the, the no. one in the one in Dulwich mm. um, basically uh, 
Oh, that's quite an open park, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like the fence is about yeah. two foot. Well, also there's the benches, the, the sort of lordship lane end where uh, there's no fence at all. Is there? You just walk over to the bench. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean this is this is me remembering from five years ago. No, there's a fence all the way around, but you okay. can, like you can step over it. I actually once did step over it. I was gonna say this sounds like a confession now, isn't it? Like... <laughs> no, this my trousers. I stepped over it and my trousers just ripped in the crotch. <laughs> I just got. On the, I was at my lunch from work, and you're got like on. mission accomplished. Yeah, got a, got a bus home, guys. I'm gonna be a little bit late. Back. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically. The benches in Goose Green have been decorated with uh, plaques, but um, uh, none of them are dedicated to local podcasts or, yeah. Here the angels. <laughs> so they're dedicated to the North Korean dictator King John Il, uh, Colonel Gaddafi of Libya, uh, Romania's Nikolai Ceausescu, and the Ru- Russian revolutionary. Peter Kropotkin. Do Hitler. Each of them has a bizarre tagline. Uh, Kim Jong-il's plaque reads, Kim Jong-il, 1942 to 2011. Always preferred George Lazenby. There's no obvious joke joke there. No, it's not. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's just a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, I saw a plaque actually right sort of underneath um, Chelsea Bridge. Right. On a bench there that said... It had some name, and it said like January the thirty second, and like it's like February the seventy fifth or something. Right, right, right. But it's really like not obvious what the joke. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that yeah. is like. Well, that's the thing. I, mean, yeah. I understand that. It's but then the bit underneath was like there's a there was like a bio, and it didn't didn't really get it. But I suppose it's the sort of thing where you can do that joke for like one other person and just tell them you've done it, and mm. they're like, "This is great." I mean, I mean, also, not everyone doing guerrilla artwork is a genius. <laughs> not, not everyone's Robert Vaughan, are they? <laughs> no one is. I mean, the thing is, um, you know, from what from what I've managed to piece together from my own investigations regarding the plaque uh, dedicated to me, uh, you know, you can order these things online to very specific mm. uh, wording and whatnot, uh, and it's not going to cost you the earth and they look quite good and they're mm. weather resistant so yeah. it's sort of dur- it's a durable thing um but yeah i just like the idea of uh someone deciding to decorate some benches in goose green with dictators revolutionaries and you military do, yeah. leaders well just um you know uh it's a weird it's a it's a it's a very definite choice isn't it it's a weird definite choice Upset the middle class. <laughs> yeah, do you remember I mentioned on the last plaque episode about that really touching tribute to that dog? Yes. People asked me if I missed you and I <clears throat> turned away, I didn't speak. Right. I whispered right. so much. Right. Where it was, it's right. gone. Oh, which where is was odd. That? It's in the, um, it's in Battersea Park, or right. was, in the um, Festival Garden, which is right. a great bit that's like kind of fading paint and stuff, but like, yeah, it's yeah. like got these, uh, fountains and stuff and it was on one of the benches there and it's just gone I suppose there that would be the sort of space where you'd have a friends of and you'd have people that would go sort of litter picking and no but all the other plaques are still there no but like if oh gone if that if that was the unofficial one I don't know it didn't seem to be okay yeah it's, it's odd um so maybe someone got bitten by that dog or something. It was like, <laughs> we, he oh, you, well, you'd imagine, like... It's not like when people start pulling down Saddam Hussein statues and stuff, or 
you know, roads. You've gone too far. You've yeah. Too far. But I suppose... Uh, it was the Cecil Road of the dog community. As you were saying, with that particular uh, plaque, it could have sort of like got through on the basis of people like, that is a lovely tribute to his friend. And mm. then they probably listened to the episode and they were like, it's a dog. It's about a dog that <laughs> And they're like, get the, get the screwdriver. Or maybe they thought, you know what, this would be better in our garden. Right. Where he's buried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got some culture news, Steve. We've got some positive and some negative culture news. Let's go negative first and finish on a high. Okay. This is a Rolling Stone headline, right? Okay. Mumford and Sons' Winston Marshall quits band after praising right-wing provocateur. Did you follow that? I, I Yeah, I heard about it. I think, uh, Are they from South London? Yeah, yeah, Wimbledon. We did no, a show. Remember, yeah, I do I remember. praised them on the show to much did ridicule. You? And right. it's just, you know, people I hate mean, them. The thing is, I wouldn't have, like, attacked you for that. Because I don't know them well enough. Well, you already had Stephen Graham on side. You were saying this is terrible. Right, and I was right. like, I like this song. Um, so this guy... The, oh, it was a playlist episode. Had I chosen it or had you chosen it? I had chosen it, yeah. Because right. my... I've mentioned on the show, my aunt used to babysit Marcus Mumford. Right, right, in right. In So this fella, Andy Ngo... I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's how I always read it. He wrote a book called Unmasked... Inside Antifa's radical plan to destroy democracy. And uh Can't believe the answer. Your man Winston from uh Mumford and Sums like this is brilliant. Right. I love this. And uh it just got roundly slaughtered from every angle. Not only is it like horrible and right wing and racist and whatnot, it's also really stupid. Yeah. It? It's like yeah. so dumb. Yeah. And anyway, so he got um he didn't get kicked out of the band. It sounds like he he left. I'm sure it's a bit of mutual. I think it, I imagine there. it was just like a round of phone calls, and it was like, you know what, this is going to be an absolute pain in the ass. Because he really like doubled down on it. It wasn't like oh yeah, he I'm refused. To, yeah, like, yeah. He wasn't a bit in that. Anyway, so he made this. Um, he posted a uh, statement, and uh, just a couple of highlights, Steve. Um, I've had plenty of abuse over the years. Always framed in it as abuse towards them. Right, right, right. I've had plenty of uh, abuse over the years. I'm a banjo player after all. <laughs> but this was another level. <laughs> I condemn unequivocally all political extremism, be it of the right or the left. Okay. So, I mean, the left I wing. I don't. I definitely. Le- <laughs> yeah, left wing political extremism is wanting a fair price for housing, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I condemn that. And finally, I will continue with my Hong Konger integration work, which is something to do with the, uh, you know, Hong Kong going back to China. Right, and the people. That's, you know, these celebrities who just have this one specific cause they're like super right. into. Joanna Lumley and the Gurkhas, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was thinking of that, but I mean, these. So I don't know a huge amount about Joanna Lumley, so I don't want to cast aspersions. But these people are just like super into like a specific animal charity. Right. But right, they're right. like horrible right wing bastards. Right, right. I, I'm, right. Don't know, I'm not saying Joanna Lumley is that, because obviously the Gurkha thing was like a good, actual good cause. But this fella, I'm not sure what his uh, geopolitical. I guess this is probably the best opportunity on the show I'm ever going to have to tell uh, a, a story about Marky e. Smith and Mumford and Sons. Unless I did it last time. Did I do it last probably, time? Probably, but you do it again. I'll do it again, yeah. Uh, I'll so, think almost certainly. <laughs> uh, the fall were at a festival and Mumford and Sons were doing a sound check and uh, Marky e. Smith was like, what is that noise? Uh, and uh, they were like, it's Mumford and Sons. He's like, what? And he just couldn't get over it. He just couldn't concentrate. Uh, and uh, he ended up they just he was like make him stop and they were like we can't they have to do a sound check and he's like ah. and it ended up with him just throwing a glass bottle at the stage uh, and telling him to shut up <laughs> so uh, and the thing is you know 
with as with a lot of things, you know, uh, Marky Smith, prescient, and that like he he knew in the future at some point mm. these lads were going to need a bottle chucked in, and he just like went, Do you know what? Let me get to the front of the queue. <laughs> Let ye without sin cast the first bottle. <laughs> so the positive. I thought I turned that into a positive by talking about Marky Smith and a glass bottle. Of oh, people were glad to hear that again. <laughs> So the best television show of the day, the best show currently on television, is written. Yeah, Succession is oh. written in South London. Oh, that's wonderful. quite exciting. That's isn't great, it? isn't it? Yeah, that's genuine because it's a global phenomenon. Mm. I mean, I think there's always something uh, probably uh, quite sort of small-minded to think of it in this way, but it's quite nice to sort of see something be successful in America that came from South London, isn't it? whether it's Bowie or do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you like to see it. Mm. Mumford's and Son. <laughs> so, yeah, it's written, by all accounts, in a dingy, that's my, not my word, a dingy office of an old department store in Brixton, which I think is Bon Marsh, isn't it? The old oh, bon Marsh. right, OK. It has a great Jesse Armstrong profile, and I think it's the New Yorker, but there's a few around. He's always, like, he's such a fascinating, a cerebral guy. Mm. Um, and it's his office, he just sort of refuses to, to do anything. No, so he has... They, he has the uh, the window cracked with a carton of milk on the window right, right, right. rather than getting a fridge yeah. just of what he used to do in his student days you know he's just all about the work and he's like this works why do I need mm. to uh, plug in a fridge I'm not plugging in a fridge so you obviously you've got this mix of um, I say obviously the secession writers room is like half English or British and half um, American <laughs> but they um they so they were writing all their they're all together back in you know when it started wow. pre-covid the first right, right, two right. seasons of pre-covid yeah, aren't yeah, they yeah. jeremy strong has a recent interview of him when he talks about visiting the writer's room this is right at the start of it right. um so like that's where like it, it was all coming from and yeah. since then they are back in the office i believe but obviously the americans are probably on Zoom. doing it on yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. or any other um Telecommunications. <laughs> well. um, it's quite funny, this. I mentioned this to you before, I didn't know that um, one of the writers, Georgina Pritchett, who's not from South London, but she is English, used to write for Ronnie Corbett. Oh, right. It's quite funny to have, like, you know, that the best TV line. show, and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. written by her. But there is a through line because, as we covered on the show, Peep Show, one of my all time favourite TV shows, like, literally in the top handful, you, like, not as big of a fan. No, but um, I can appreciate it. And that is set in South London in uh, on the yeah Croydon, uh, written by Jesse Armstrong mm. and Sam Bain. And you can see the through line from one to the other, so much so that there's a line in this week's succession, <laughs> season three, episode, what was it, three or four? Episode three? Yeah, or four. Or four. <laughs> Watch them all. And uh, yeah, there's a line in this week's succession that is in... An episode of Peep Show as well, so like the, it's very very clear to see we'll see the see the way through there. Um, Just a cheap rip off, turns out. Succession. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but I thought that was an exciting little bit. First, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I say we've talked about the sort of the Croydon setting of Peep Show before. I didn't know about the Brixton writing, but it does sort of make sense, and it does. There's something appealing, isn't there, about that sort of you know the the writer in the garret. Cracking the window open with uh, yeah. a carton of milk and stuff. What's a carrot? Uh, like an artist's, uh, an artist studio, but like mm. generally not well maintained, and you know, it's quite a Dickensian idea of the, the starving artist in a garret. So, Steve, actually, there's one more thing. There's some quite 
genuinely big South London news if you are in South London. It's another tunnel, Steve, of a different nature. Okay. The Northern Line yes. was extended recently. So you can go back and listen to our Nine Elms episode when it was in a kind of transitional phase. Yeah. Um, and now it's largely up and running. The Batsy Power Station is is uh, open to some degree. I think people have moved in. Right, right. So there's flats in there. I don't know if Apple have moved in. Apple are moving in, aren't they, I believe? I don't know. I mean, so it's not one of those like playground rumours. Oh, it's going to be a KFC in, in <laughs> Bar. But like, there's the fit, there's a fit there, there's um, the... Uh, well, also just the, I think the cinema. tube line opening is, like the fact that you could get on the train at Battersea Power Station. Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. So there's, the train now comes, branches off at Kennerton, comes into Nine Elms, which is just really Vauxhall, but, you know, far, far enough. And then into Battersea Power Station Station. Where it terminates. Marlowe's taken to call it Nine Elm Station Station. <laughs> it's it's tripping to Battersea Power Station Station. So there was some uh, just f- some controversy around this, some push and some like some genuine pushback. problems. Here. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I uh, messaged you and sort of said, "Oh my God, this is horrible! Look what they've done to you know Battersea Power Station Nine Elm." Look what they've done to my boy. Yeah, <laughs> they massacred my boy. And you were like. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to being able to get the tube at the end of the road. And I was like, oh yeah, it's probably good for people who live there, isn't it? Yeah, so I will, um, I've got on the tube at Nine Elms and Battersea Power Station for various reasons, um, like many times already. And it is like, we'll go into, in a second we'll go into the problems. Uh, because there are bad things behind the scenes, but it's like, great having the tube, isn't it? <laughs> Jumping on the tube. Although, the other day I got off at Kennerton, because... You can go straight through sometimes, you know, but um, sometimes you have to change and wait for the wait for this, uh, this Batsy train. And it's like nine minutes. Right. Oh, the other day it was 15 from uh, nine hours. You think, what's the point of this? We're calling this progress off. Exactly. So it's sort of up and down. But um, but no, it just brings, you need that to bring Batsy Power Station in. It would have been nice if it had gone, if they had extended it to um, Clapham Junction, say, but... I think that's easier said than done, isn't it? I guess. I, I, I suppose there, like, once you're sort of extending into Clapham Junction, I mean, I think Clapham Junction is like the busiest train station in Britain anyway or something, isn't it? Yeah, it used to have that sign that said um, busiest train station in Europe. Whether Europe. it still does, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I just haven't noticed it. But I, 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 you imagine, like, Clapham Junction are like, don't bring us any more people. We've got too many as it is. Like So that was probably part of the decision. But I think the sort of... The sort of, uh, not alarming, but the sort of worrying thing is, and and also just sort of like, you know, it's, you know, have to accept that they're not always going to be noble reasons for doing these things. You know, it was largely seen as like, oh, we'll bring the tube in just so they can justify charging through the nose for, you know, the flats that they're going to build in the area. Yeah. I mean, Those flats can, are never going to be cheap. No, but exactly, you can also get. Um... You know, someone I know will will sort of has made that point before. I don't bring the tube here; that people won't be able to afford to live here. But like, that's I don't think that's the reason to not build the tube, man. There, there is a, there's two like real. If I could just push back on one thing you said, to yeah, you, I think if you extended the tube to Clapham Junction, it would actually alleviate um, tra- uh, traffic because people people are getting the train into Victoria. They can get on the tube and then just go straight into wherever they're going. But regardless. I mean, there's sort of two things here. One is that they they bent 
uh, zone one into yeah. this ridiculous shape <laughs> yeah. so that it can because developers have essentially yeah, yeah, dictated yeah. we yeah. can't have developers dictating the tube map so that they can sell how sell flats for higher prices i mean it's so gross for yeah. a number of reasons yeah. i'm annoyed enough that we allow developers to um to re essentially rename what things are you know oh, i live in the oval and, or whatever right yeah, maybe yeah. that's a bad example but you know this there's plenty of times when you know, they don't, you know, they slap oval quarter on the right, front. Right, so right, it's right. like, this is not oval, it's Kenton or whatever. What was it City Central or City, South City? South City for the Elephant and Castle. Oh, uh, roughly thing, that's not it? caught on, is it? But yeah, I think yeah, Elephant yeah. Park, I've heard people right. say. But right. I mean, you kind of can't always fight, um, no. not progress, but like no. things will change in it. Yeah. So there's that, the letting them bend the map. And the map looks silly. Yeah. But I mean, the map is. Um, the days of the map being elegant are long gone because it's yeah. too big, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still a great, it's still a great um, piece of design. It is, and, and, yeah. and largely because you can actually follow it, unlike something like the New York one, which yeah. is just dreadful. It's just <laughs> not fit for purpose. But the other thing is, and I've got all the details here because it's too depressing to read it. But essentially, they, the tube extension was in part paid for by developers. Right. And they just got to redirect cash rather that should have gone to say ta some kind of tax, I think. Maybe also it might have been the thing where they go, Oh, we won't build houses, the affordable houses that we committed to building and that we're obliged to. We'll build like a a, a hall of some description or a school or you know, these things that sound good and they get good publicity from it, but essentially we just deepen the housing crisis, which is already bad enough. Obviously you've got those hundred flats in Lewisham, Steve, so thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> But there Push are, back. Push back. there are. So when it launched, there was a lot of negative. Um, yeah. You know, in the kind of left wing circles that we're in. The well, also like the I'm negative reading side it, of it in Ireland, so I'm not boots on the ground. I'm just mm. sort of like, oh, this sounds awful. And I spoke to you, and you're like, well, you know. Yeah, it's great. It's great having a bit more tube yeah, in South yeah. London. Though, um, yeah, I um I liked. Uh, my, my, I think my favourite bit of uh, us essentially refusing to do research was there where you said uh, I don't have the facts in front of me because they're just too depressing <laughs> <laughs> I mean listen I've failed to have the facts in front of me more than once on this show uh, but I've never thought to go uh, because they're too depressing I was just sort of like I'm not going to roll this down am I are we journalists Steve <laughs> you know people like who say I'm not a journalist I'm yeah. not, am I <laughs> Uh, I suppose, I mean, this is uh, a local news episode, <laughs> so if, if we're not, we're certainly leaning on uh, journalists for content. I mean, the thing is, we're not journalists, but I'd like to think we've got enough about us to sort of try and be as honest as possible, try and be as open as possible. You know what we do have, Steve? Integrity. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that is it, yeah. Like, if we can't be bothered to assemble facts, we'll tell you. We won't just sort of go, oh, they're too mm. horrible to face. <laughs> Cold, cold. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening guys um, if there's more local news I guess we'll cover that when we send us your local news stories to uh, <laughs> at SLHC on Twitter and um, there's a Facebook page as well if you want to have a look southamhardcore.com you can find the old episodes also on um, all your all the um, podcast apps what did we say about Spotify I was saying we should boycott it Steve we might we can't remember if we're on Spotify <laughs> We've got integrity, we don't know. <laughs> We've got integrity, so we might have uh, boycotted Spotify. So if we're not on Spotify, it's a, an active boycott rather than us just not being asked. I remember <laughs> we did our first local news episode, it was quite early on. And I thought, right, well, that's local news done. <laughs> it's not a news work, is it? <laughs>